Welcome everyone, uh, the ones that are watching through YouTube and the podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Tabernacle of Moses. I think this is its 22nd uh, teaching on this topic. We're getting to the, close to the end. And now we're going into the Holies of Holies. We've done all the pieces of furniture up to the Holies of Holies. And now we're entering after the veil into the Holies of Holies. So tonight we're going to talk on some of the stuff regarding the Holies of Holies. We're not going to go too much prophetic yet. We'll maybe do that at the last session. But I first want to lay a foundation of why and what is in there, why it's in there, how it looked, so you have a clear picture of what was done there. In the Bible, in Exodus 25, verse 10 to 22, you will find the, the story of the, the building and the, everything regarding the holies of holies. I'm just going to read a bit for you here. And they shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within, and without shalt thou overlay it, and, sh and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold, yes, again the four rings, the rings for the carrying, the four rings of gold, and put them in the four corners thereof. And two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings shall be in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves unto the rings by the sides of the ark, and the ark may be born with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which shall give thee, and thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, of beaten work shalt thou make them, and the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end, and the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. Okay, and then it continues to verse 22. I'm not going to read all of it. You can go read it in your own time. But I want you just to note something here that is totally different to everything we've done up to now. All of a sudden, everything is gold. Before, there was wood pieces and some gold here and there. In the beginning, it was bronze, wood, mirror, silver, but now everything is gold. And we know gold talks about the dainty, the purity of, of Christ. So here, this room is a different room than all the others. It's only gold in there. Um, so we come to the last piece of the furniture that's in the tabernacle. Um, this piece of furniture is at the head of the cross, as we've discussed before. It's at the top of the layout of, of the, the encampment, but it's the head the, of the body. The ark portrays a beautiful picture and a type or image of Christ, who is the head of the body. Just the ark also talks about him, depicts him and everything as the body, um, the head of the body. I've said this before, I'm going to repeat this again. When God began to, with the instructions of the tabernacle to Moses, he began at the top 
when he gave the instructions at the head of the ark. Then he worked his way to the feet. He didn't start at the bottom to tell them how to build it. He started at the head, at the holies of holies. I've said it before. I said when we minister to people, we minister from the top down. We don't push people up. We show them what's right and wrong by lifting them up, showing them your lifestyle. Because you've walked now further maybe up. So you always... When you walk with people, talk to people, teach people, you must always try and do it from the top up, from the love room up. Because you love them, you will correct them. Because you love them, you will help them. It comes from the love room. Unfortunately, religion mostly works from the bottom up. They push people into, um, I think you must become a pastor, and then they push the person, you go, you look like a pastor. You look like an apostle or like, or like a uh, uh, worship leader, whatever the case may be. They normally push people into things. You must become youth leader now because you're quite popular. And they push. God didn't do that. He always works from the top and lifts people up. All right. So even in the way it was built, it was done that way. God said, come, I found a plan, a way whereby you might come back into fellowship with me when he built this. Um, I mean, it has always been God whom sought out the sinful people. God brought this thing forth for the Israelites. They didn't ask for it. He made it. He brought it. So he came to them with a way to connect with him. All right? Maybe you haven't thought of it that way yet. It has always been God whom sought out sinful people, the sinful man in the nature it was God who came down to Adam when he sinned. Even in the beginning of the Bible, Adam sinned. Who, did Adam go to God? No. What did Adam do? He hid. Yeah, he hid away. God came to Adam, the sinful one, to, to talk to him. Um, Adam was not seeking God. He was actually hiding from God. Today we, we are, are people that are lost. The Holy Spirit, he still does that today. He goes out and he seeks those people to bring them in. God always comes to the sinful people. I mean, that's actually amazing if you think about it. Man never seeks him. The only time when man starts seeking the Lord is actually when the Holy Spirit is already working in them. But it's been like that since the beginning of your Bible in Genesis. Um, I said that Jesus not only wants to bring us to the brazen altar where we experience the blood, the covering that covers our sins that we did in the first lessons. But he desires to lead us into a spiritual growth until we grow up to his stature. That's why you know over the years, I've always when I spoke to you, I said you need to grow. If you don't grow, there's a problem and you need to sort out the problem. Nobody can sort it out for you. You must sort it out on your own. Go to the desert, sort it out. Jesus is in the desert. He will help you. But the reason why you need to sort out your problems or your issues or whatever the case may be is because you need to go through all the rooms, all the furniture pieces. God always des desires for you to grow. If you have a child, a baby, as cute and as beautiful as they are when they're baby, any parent longs for when they can talk to the baby and they understand them. 
And when that happens, then they long to read a book with them and they understand it. Everything is that they grow and they want the next phase. They want the next phase. And God's exactly the same. He's, he's sitting there waiting for us to grow so that he can give you what's next. What's next. Because he cannot give it to you if you don't grow because you're not going to be capable to, to deal with it. All right? Let's start the material that was used for this ark. The ark was made out of wood, like we've said. Um, again, wood speaks of the humanity of Jesus. Being a human, a person, a person like you and me. Wood. I've shown you so many verses in the Bible which tells you or uses wood or trees as a type of man. Alright, so we know by now when it talks about that, that's what it's um, pointing towards. This wood was covered in gold, representing the dainty of the Lord. So those wood pieces were covered in gold. Jesus, 100% man, wood, 100% God, holy, gold. Remember your Bible says it's 100% man, 100% God. Wood, gold. Alright? That's how this was made, this, this piece of furniture. The ark was to be uh, two cubits and a half in length, a cubit and a half in breadth, and a cubit and a half in length. All these measurements, I don't know if I'm going to go talk about that, but all these measurements, if you look at the ark here, the measurements that the ark has got here. If you go to the New Jerusalem, the measurements in Revelations, all those things you will see has got a pattern in them. It's the same pattern connected with the measurements. There's a lot in that. I've never looked into that. I've heard Womiani speak about that, but I personally have never went into that. But there's a lot of truths and hidden gems in the measurements. Even the Ark of um, Noah, because they all are arcs. There's, there's something in the measurements when you times it by something, I can't remember, but there is something in there that's beautiful and hidden in the measurements. Alright, the next thing we want to talk about is the crown. Now, you all know the crown, it's the top part, right? It's this section here. That's the crown, the lid. It's the crown. The ark, remember, it was God's throne in the midst of his people, of the Israelites. Um, the crown was of pure gold, and it signifies the crown of a king, the one that's leading. He was leading his people, and the crown is always placed on the head. And Jesus, as he was crucified, it's on the head. I said, your God used a high priest as through which he ruled the people. A high priest were appointed. That was a pattern at that time. We're going to talk about that later. But there, a high priest was placed uh, in charge of everything to do with this, with the, with the, in the Holies of Holies. The crown also speaks about where it was placed on the head of your thoughts. All right? Because a crown gets placed here where your thoughts are, on your forehead. It's funny, if you think about it, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he wore a crown of thorns. Why? Your sinful thoughts he had to take to the cross and he bled for that. 
he covered it in his blood when he was bleeding for that the crown he wore there and it's funny he wore the crown there which was a type in a picture of way back the crown that was in here um, before that he's going to make you pure with the golden crown he's making your crown he's taking your crown of thorns and giving you a golden crown actually that's what he did at the cross to get your thoughts to become his thoughts that's what it called, that's what it actually means to have the mind of Christ uh, is to do with that these pure thoughts so remember that when you when you look at this and realize the crown the top there that's gold um, and it was on his head the crown that he wore it's because he took your your thorns crown of thorns and placed it on his head next the staves and the rings we've spoken so many times about this over these teachings the ark was also to be carried by the same staves and rings. The staves were also made from wood, overlaid with gold. The staves uh, rested in golden rings, and the ring speaks of the will of God. We've discussed that before. All right, why it is and why they carried it, and the way they carried these things, this furniture. Next, the contents of the ark. Let's start with the first one, the tablets. And we're going to come back to some of this stuff later. All right, in the teaching. I'm just giving you the foundation of everything, what's in there. In Hebrews 9, it gives you the secrets of the content of the ark um, that you can find there. I've got the verse here. Which had the golden censer. So there's the first one. And the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with the gold, wherein there was a golden pot. With the manna. And Aaron's rod that budded in the tables of the covenant. So there's three things inside in this coffin. You can see here, we can maybe put a picture of that, but you saw this that I have here. It's a little replica that Yanni gave me. It's a beautiful little thing. Um, how do you open it again? Like that, I don't want to. And you'll see here inside, it's got the three things. There's the, the two tablets that we you know, discuss. The pot with the manna and Aaron's rod. It was in here. And each of these three things speaks individually about Jesus. This is Jesus. And it speaks about Jesus, everything here. And each of these also individually speaks about him. We might go to it where I'm going to discuss how this speaks about you. This one. But all I can say to you now is, these three things must be inside you. As it's inside of here. It must be inside of you. These three things must be inside of you what they mean, what they stand for, those three pieces. Psalm 40 verse 8. Yeah, I said the commandments is a picture of Jesus Christ when the word of God is contained. It speaks of the perfect obedience of Jesus who had the, the tables written in his heart. Remember when he got these tablets. Moses got the first pair. It took me years before I realized that, but he, they broke it. He broke it. 
When he came down the mountain, he saw they were worshipping calf. He broke the tablets. A lot of people don't know there were two sets. Then he went back and he got the, the second set. Right, that second set, most people say they were extremely small, not much bigger than your hand each. We have these in the pictures where they walk and they carry these heavy, big stones, but they say most scholars and rabbis say it was small, just a little bit bigger than your hand. You could hold it like that. Because, I mean, ten things... Uh, you can write quite small on, on something like that. So here in Psalm 40 verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God, ye, thy law is within my heart. The law is within my heart, because remember we're talking about the tablets here. The tablet speaks also of a marriage ketubah, the Jewish uh, ritual of the marriage. Ketubah was what you brought the husband brought a letter saying what he's bringing to the marriage and the wife would bring one and she brings and they bring the two together to say this is like we would say today a prenup but it's not a prenup in exactly that way but something to you understand so ketubah this was you can see these tablets when god gave these 10 commandments this was his ketubah which he presented to israel his nation saying will you marry me this is what I will bring for you. And they were supposed to give their side of the marriage contract, but they didn't. They built a calf and worshipped the idol. So they never came. That's why Jesus came for the bride, because they didn't marry there with, with him, with the Creator, the Israelites. Uh, because, I mean, God's plan was for him to be one with his people. And they rejected him there. Um, I've done some teachings on that. Um, I'm not going to go into detail now of each of those 10 things mean for you in the marriage contract because each of those 10 things say something in a marriage contract um, if you read it from a slave's perspective. Because remember, they were all slaves when they received it. So when you read those tablets from a slave's perspective, thou shalt not kill, then you know, okay, from today forth, if I worship and I, I, I marry this God, um, then no one will kill me or my family but you read it you may not kill and somebody may not kill but they were slaves they were used to getting killed daily by the egyptians so for them it was an awesome thing to see for the first time if they worship this god people are not allowed to kill them anymore it was like wow we get a day off we can rest on the sabbath we've never had a day off in our lives and we can actually have a day off. So it was really a, a, a positive thing for them. But before they could get that, they worshipped the calf that they made. Remember, man chose to worship this cow. This cow was a, a god of Egypt. All right, so that's why wherever you read in your Bible about Egypt, Egypt is a picture of the world, the world system. So every time you read in your Bible, it talks about Egypt, you can know that it's pointing to a world system, fleshly stuff. All right? And that's why you can see it here where it actually happened. The second piece of furniture, I think, in there is the golden pot of manna, this little one. Golden pot full of manna. This reminded the Israelites of God that He's their sustainer, their provider, while they were in the wilderness. Because he provided daily fresh manna for them. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an armor full of manna therein, and lay it upon before the Lord, to be kept for your generations. 
I would love to know actually today wherever that pot is, if that manna is still in there. It will be interesting to know. Because the manna, I mean, the manna is a type and a picture of Jesus, uh, the living bread. He says he's the bread of life. It's a type and a picture of him. Manna is a type and a picture of the Bible, the word. You eat it. When you read it, you're eating it. So, yeah, this was the pure one. It was pure. He was to come down from heaven to give us spiritual life like the bread gave physical life. All right? Jesus came down to give us spiritual life like the Israelites used the bread which gave them physical life. It kept them alive in the wilderness. It fed them in there. In John 6, this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. All right, see, they're pointing back to the bread here. And it's the same bread that was in there, in the, in the golden pot. So it also points to the Bible. You can eat it. It nourishes you. Your spirit, remember, we said in the beginning of the year, if you want to survive in the wilderness, you need to eat your manna and your quails, the birds. Because when we eat from the word, it feeds you, it sustains you, it, it gives you, it fills your mind with spiritual stuff rather than worldly stuff. Because whatever you consume, you become. It's, it's a given. The third one, Aaron's rod. All right, give you some background about this Aaron's rod. People were not happy with the high place that was given to Moses and Aaron. When the, when the Israelites were moving, they were in charge of certain things. And people were not happy. Some of the people were not happy with that. Yeah? Jealousy. We still see that today. So they had a little, they conspired something. They, they made a plan and, and started to see how they can work against this thing. But I want you to see here, and this is not just for me today, but it's something to take note as we as, as believers. When they made these plans, that they conspired, you know, to work against Aaron and Moses because they were jealous of what they were doing, or they didn't agree with how they were doing it, they were jealous. God defended Moses' ministry. Think about it. Some of you have heard me say many times before, be very aware when you go against somebody. You've heard me say before, if I'm going to talk to you straight, do you allow me to do that before I start? I've done that also many times because of this. Because if you go against me then, you open yourself up for this. God defended Moses' ministry here. He caused the ground to open and swallow up, what was their names? Kura, Dathan, and Abiram. Abiram, yeah. And all that took part with them, not just them. Everybody connected to them, was part of it. They stood there. Can you imagine this? Everybody was standing there, and the next moment the ground opened up and swallowed them in. And they all died. Because of going against Moses, what God said, and what God was doing through Moses and Aaron. He killed them all there. Man, that would stop a lot of stuff in the, in the churches if that happens in churches. Yo, can you imagine? <laughs> People will be very godly there in the, all the systems in the churches. 
Uh, but yeah. Then, because of this that happened, I mean, all this quarreling and fighting, God required that um, each tribe, remember there's 12 tribes, each of these tribes had to bring a rod. One of the rods of the tribe had to bring one in. Um, Aaron had to bring one in, for instance, from the tribe of Levi. He's a Levite. He had to bring his in. Um, the next morning, so they all laid down these rods, and they said, right, God will choose who's going to work in the tabernacle and do all the duties and who's going to be in charge of everything to do with the tabernacle. They laid down all the rods of the 12 tribes. The next morning, when they got there, Aaron's one was the one that they saw was different to all the others. Aaron's rod budded, brought forth little buds, and bloomed and blossomed for the flowers and healed almonds. It had almonds. So it had three things that happened to it. It had to have little buds, had flowers. What does flowers give? Smell. And the third one, it bear fruit. There was fruit in there. That happened instantly. Not over a period of time, overnight. It happened in the night. All those three things happened at once. That dead piece of wood became alive. You should actually know what I'm hinting at when I'm talking about you. But this is also a picture of Jesus. If you look at his cross, that's what he exactly did at the cross. That piece of wood, Jesus, his humanity died, but he, he stood up out of that. It's, his resurrection points to, also to, to this, the staff of Aaron. This is also Jesus' resurrection. Life came back to something that died. Do you see the pattern? They had it in the wilderness, the staff. He did this. Jesus comes and he repeats it in the spirit and he did this. It's going to happen again with you. This. The pattern will continue. But we will still talk about that one day. John 11, verse 25 and 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, thou he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe thou this? All right, so this is just to show you what that represents. Let's talk about the position quickly. The ark rested in the midst of the holies of holies. You can also compare this with a statue of, a statue of Christ. As it, where it was laid, it occupies the head, like we said in the beginning. Throughout the world, Jesus always stands in the midst of his people. He can always go and look. He's always in the midst of his people. Him being the head, the king, the one that leads his people, guides his people. I mean, you can see that it was also when Jesus stood in the midst of the disciples and said, Peace be with you. Remember, he always came in the midst of them. When they were in the room and he said, Peace be with you. That's what he brings. He brings that peace always when he comes in the midst of you. This was also typified, showed in the tabernacle. Aaron's rod as and the manna and the tablets 
that was inside of this ark was placed in the middle, which is a type of Jesus in the middle of his people, you must also realize that wherever Jesus moved, wherever this ark was in, with the Israelites, which is Jesus, so today wherever Jesus moves, this is there, what this represents. And what these three things represent is there in the midst. And we've got to become like this to the statue of Christ. So if you are a piece of wood, one day you need to be overlaid with gold. Because we become we like Christ. We have to have these three things. None of us have these three things full time in us. But that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. He's working with this in you. Because with this, this can happen. If you, if you walk in that. So this piece of furniture, just as Jesus today is walking, just as you are walking everywhere you go, if you're in the midst of people who's in the world, in your office, um, kids at school, universities, wherever you walk, at the beach, this is in the midst of them because he's inside of you also. So do they, do they smell his fragrance on you? Do you feed them his bread of life? Do you show them how much he loves you as the bride with a marital contract, the way you talk to people? Can they see that? Because that's what's in the midst of when you walk in. That's what you bring to people when you enter. That's why I say you cannot be in ministry if you haven't walked for a couple of years. Because that takes time. It's not an easy journey. Because that's what has to be in the midst. Unfortunately today, if we throw in something negative, a lot of ministers, people standing in front of churches and groups and whatever the case may be, they don't have any of that. They don't have any of this. And they don't even have that. It's empty. But because they know the word, they can teach. But they're dead inside. They don't carry any of that stuff. They don't have any of those three things inside of them. And that's why we see so many problems with, with um, leaders that fall into huge sins. It's because they never had that. They just studied and became a pastor or whatever, a leader. Or they just chose to do it. They were not called by the Lord. That's why they don't carry that. And that's why it's so important for a person that stands in front of you. He must first walk. He must first be called by the Lord. Then he's got to walk it out for a couple of years, that calling, to learn that calling, before he can start ministering in that. And in that time period that you walk it out, that's when that stuff grows in you. It is not an instant. Because when this, this furniture was in the middle of the camp, they had peace when they, when, they had, when they set up camp. When Jesus was in the midst of them, peace be upon you. That's what it brings. When you walk into people, they must feel peace when you talk. And we're not always going to have that. We're still human. We're going to make mistakes. But that's what you learn and try to become. The Holy Spirit will help you with that. Revelations 5, 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, 
and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders to the Lamb, as it has been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of sent forth into all the earth. This year, look at this, and we are low in the midst of the throne. You see, in the midst, always, the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. We know that lamb is Jesus, right? That is Jesus. As it had been slain, having seven horns, the horns, what does horns say? Authority. So he had, that speaks about perfection, seven. Perfect authority, this lamb. And seven eyes. Seven again, perfection, eyes, vision. He had perfect vision. Which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. There's a lot of doctrines about this. Some say there's seven separate spirits. I've come to believe there's only one. It's got seven character traits, if I can call it that. A lot of people teach there's seven separate spirits. But no, I'm not convinced about that. I looked into that a lot. But I want you to see this perfection, Jesus, is in the midst. The one that's got perfect authority, perfect vision, it's always in the midst of what's going on. If we look in today's life, in all the darkness that's happening all over the world, he's still in the midst of all of that. The one that's got the, the authority. He's not been shaken by what's going on in the world. With all the evil that's going on in the world. Remember Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine. For your light has come. Because darkness will fill the earth. What earth? You also always think maybe, you know, it's speaking about the planet, earth. Yes, it does, but it also speaks about you. You're made out of the earth. You're dust. So darkness fills the people. But in you, he says, the light will come up. This will happen. Amidst the people that's walking darkness. And if we look at today, and they say it every generation, oh, the people are evil. But we spoke about it the other day at my house, and I said, what else is still out there that we can do that's, that hasn't been done that's evil? Think about it. What sin can we bring up that hasn't been done or been accepted as normal these days? You can choose if you want to be a man or a wife. You can choose if you want to be a dog. At the moment in the world, who's the number one enemy? White men. Do you know that? White men are seen as the most evil thing on the planet at the moment. It's everywhere in the news. Because we were the privileged, they say. And if you look at all the people saying all these things, doing all the things, they all have the same agenda. Me, myself, and I must rule on this earth. 
in them. That piece of earth they have, they're ruling there. And we, as sons in the making, may not judge. That's hard. I mean, if you listen to those things that they say about men, I mean, we're lower than low at the moment. You see, they all have the same agenda, different groups working, all have the same agenda. And there's white men against white men, the ones that are woke. But I want you to see how the, the darkness is in, on the earth, in these little earthen vessels, how darkness is. I don't know what else is there still that they can do that has not been done. I mean, look at, um, I've done a teaching in the week on that, I've still got to put it up. Look at um, environmentalists. Look at their hidden agenda. You may not eat meat anymore. Huh? That's their number one fight. Stop eating meat. But it's funny, in the Bible, we're supposed to eat meat. That's why the Lord gave it for us, to eat meat. Yeah, we're eating too much meat. But they say, no, if you eat meat, you're evil. Uh, global warming. Look at what they're saying about global warming. Where is it coming in? At what angle are they bringing it in? Is there pollution? Of course there's pollution. But is it the way they're making it out? No. It's the same group of people that sits behind all the other things I've just mentioned. Is behind that also. The darkness is trying to manipulate, control this little earth and the round one. Because it's today more acceptable to, to worship animals than it is for people. There's more connotation and, and love towards animals than to human beings today. Animals became a god. Trees, plants became a god. People are worshipping that. Mother nature. See, they flip it. We have a father that created the earth. They say, no, it's mother nature. I want you to see the same darkness that Isaiah 50 is talking about is everywhere going on. But in the midst of all of that, this tabernacle is standing. And in this tabernacle, these three pieces are there and they will come to fullness when the time is right these three pieces because if we have to become like him like what do you need to become like this that's what you need to become like you and I cannot do this only he can so that in the midst of the darkness this can be moved fully because let's be honest with the awesome stuff we see that the Holy Spirit is doing in the world today with all the awesome movements with all the healings we see and hear that we have now is not going to stop this darkness we need the Lord and the Holy Spirit to come in full power to stop all this that's going on but it doesn't phase him. It phases us because we're in it. But it doesn't phase him at all. But I want you to see how this is of utmost importance. This third room, the holies of holies, where this ark of the covenant is. Because this is what it's about. Jesus fully 
glorified Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is him. Not just Jesus. Jesus is a guy that walked on the road. His feet got filthy. If he bumped his toe, he cried and moaned. He was a human being. We don't worship that one. We worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, that is fully pure and in power. And that's what he's wanting to do. So that's why it's important to know what this represents. Because this is still going to play a huge role in the time to come. It's going to play a huge role, what this represents. And it's something to look forward to. Because all that darkness is going outside, we can't think there's even more stuff that they can do. This is not going to get phased by it at all. He doesn't worry about that. This is there for the people to come to him. Not worried about the sinful nature of this stuff. Because if this comes in, it doesn't matter what you believe, you will change. Because of the smell and the food that you will get from that. So we're going to continue next week with this. There's one or two things we're still going to speak about, the cherubims and the mercy seat. And then we're going to look prophetically more at some of the stuff here. But I want you to, to see this is so much better than running away, flying away. This is so much more Him wanting you. Because He wants to use you. Because he, 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 he wants to walk this out with you. That's why He wants you to grow. So that He can use you in the fullness that's to come. In, in the darkness that's ruling the earth. So, see yourself wanting this to happen with you. Desire this with everything in your heart to become like this. We're not going to be Jesus. We're the piece of wood inside here. But He's going to cover us, the pure one. When you're going to walk in the streets, let's say this is Luan walking in the streets. Are they going to see Luan? No, they're going to see the gold. Jesus, the pure one, when he moves and talks and does things. Everything he does is going to come from the purity of the gold. Jesus, in other words, not the wood inside, but the wood walks with Jesus on it. All right. So next we will continue with the, with the tabernacle and everything regarding the extra pieces on the tabernacle before we go prophetically on it. All right. Thanks for watching. Please subscribe to our channel and make sure to click the bell notification button to get any notifications when we upload a new video. Stay blessed.